0: Hello, and welcome to The Delicious Truth with Gloria Cotton. I'm Gloria. During this podcast, we're going to cover a variety of topics that are impacting our everyday lives. We'll look at four things for each topic. One, the absolute empirical truth. That's all about the facts and data. Then we'll look at the personal experiential truth. And that's about how those facts and others do and don't show up in people's lives and their experience of them. Next, the consequential, impactful truth, the difference this makes in people's lives. And finally, you'll hear about resources and solutions you can use to empower yourself and others. All right. So today, Brandice and I are going to continue talking about PTSD, but we're bringing it up to 21st century slavery. In other words, how has this system of dehumanization um, and really classifying people and punishing people for who they are, how does that show up today? And is it just black people? Because I'm here to tell you, all it's not so let's start out first by just giving some of the criteria about what a slave is and people are in slavery if what if they are forced to work through coercion or mental or physical threat so i want you all to think about not only history but right now how do you see this showing up in the world and in the united states someone is in slavery if they're trapped and controlled by somebody else, an employee, an overlord, an overseer, whatever the title is, through mental or physical abuse or the threat of abuse. Someone is in slavery if they are physically constrained or have restrictions placed placed on their freedom of movement. And someone finally is in slavery if they are dehumanized Treated as a commodity or bought and sold as property. So when you look this up, there are eight different kinds of, depending upon where you look, uh, the source you check out, eight different kinds of formal slavery that goes on in the 21st century. And the first I'll start with is. Human trafficking, Brandeis, and the United Nations has defined human trafficking as the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons by means of the threat or use of force or other forms of coercion, of abduction, of fraud, deception, or the abuse of power or position of vulnerability. And there's more that goes on. Uh, with describing it. So we know what it is. Yeah. And so guess what? It is a multimillion dollar business.
1: To Hold on a second, of- I glow. I just in human trafficking, I think that at least when I hear about this in the podcast and, and news uh, outlets, usually there's a component of sexual exploitation.
0: Well, that is a separate Form of so there's a subset of human trafficking and sex trafficking is part of that. So that's a separate mm-hmm. thing. So first there's this human trafficking because some people are recruited to do work. Are you know? Um, it's mm-hmm. it's more than just uh, sex trafficking.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that they were basically <laughs> capturing people mm-hmm. to force them to work. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, and I know there are different kinds of work, but. Oh, yeah. If that I didn't know. The, the drug cartels,
0: they're stealing people. They're not sleeping with them. They don't want them sleeping with anybody else. They're back there cutting and dicing and slicing the drugs and doing all this stuff. Their life, uh, you know, their length of life is cut short. They want them to do that, get them in and out. That's it. Working in diamond mines, they're not trying to sleep with these people, they want them for labor. So, as I was saying, it's a multi, multi-billion dollar criminal industry that denies freedom to 24.9 million people around the world. Um, now, let's get into, since you mentioned it, sex trafficking or sexual slavery uh, and forced prostitution. Is anyone selling sex who is under 18 years of age is legally a trafficked victim? That's what we're looking mm-hmm. at. Sex trafficking is a tri- the crime of using force, fraud, and coercion to induce another individual, male, female, or however they're identifying themselves, whatever pronouns, to sell sex. Mm-hmm. Common types include escort services, pornography, illicit massage, uh, brothels, and outdoor solicitation. In other words, streetwalkers. So it doesn't matter if they're on the corner or if they're in the penthouse. If they're being forced to do it, this is what Mm -hmm. sex trafficking is about. Then there's debt bondage. This is when people give themselves into slavery as a security against a loan or when they inherit debt from a relative. Labor trafficking. Labor trafficking is the crime of using force, fraud or coercion, you'll hear those words over and over again, to induce another individual to work or provide service. Common types include agriculture, domestic work. When people say, oh, you know, your five relatives can come over here and it's going to cost these many thousands of dollars. And so they've got to work in the fields or they've got to work in the home or in restaurants or cleaning services, or carnivals, that's mostly where people show up. It's estimated that 600,000 to 820,000 men, women, and children are trafficked across international borders each year. Approximately 70% are women and girls, and up to 50% are minors. Let me just stop right there. What's your reaction to that, to this global slavery?
1: I think that because I live in a country known as America, we're pretty nationalistic in the way that we experience trauma and pain. We kind of feel like it's us only, but some of the things that you're talking about reminds me of Third World, like Biblical Times, Mm -hmm. when if for some reason you died and you left a debt, they would take your son's. Mm -hmm. Um, And put them into slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like I thought that was like things of the past. I didn't realize that. This sort of enslavement is still happening. It is. I remember last
0: year, uh, 2019 or uh, 2018, I can't remember when people started reporting on child marriage and forced marriage and child marriage is another in America, babies, eight years old, being married to men in their 40s. And these men then having sex with these children. Don't um, call
1: it sex. It's
0: rape. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely it is rape. Absolutely mm-hmm. it is rape of these children with their her parents' blessing. Mm-hmm. Because that's part of their subculture within the United States. So looking at that and, you know, you think it's bad enough for teenagers. Boys, girls, whatever, however you identify yourself as your gender. But babies, six years old and eight years old, being pimped out at parties for rich men. Remember, case in point, Jeffrey Epstein. Remember that whole thing? It wasn't just women and teenage. It was girls. That I don't know about babies, but that is part of the underbelly of our nation and the world. Wage and salary slavery. That is looking at the difference between titles. And I'm all for people need to get the money that they are earning. But look at what's happening in our country, the exploitation of labor and social stratification of the differences between the people that are at the top of the house in the C-suite and then the people who, if they weren't doing their jobs, there wouldn't be a C-suite. And who gets the bonuses? Who gets the bailouts? Who gets it and does the money trickle down to the people who are beneath the C-suite? And the answer is no. Not only that, whose job is cut? So in order to have enough money to make a difference to the budget and the P and L of your company, how many people who are making minimum wage are you going to have to cut? But this is what happens in our nation. We don't think about it as a form of slavery, but this is what the people are working for, and then they get cut. There's a big deal right now with um, co-workers who took less salary so that they could have a guaranteed pension. And now the companies are saying, we don't have that money anymore. And so these people are now, not only did they work a full-time job, putting their lives at risk, black lung disease, all that stuff for less money so that they could be guaranteed money income for the rest of their lives. Now they're being told, no, we don't have it. In other words, they stole it twice. They stole from them twice. I'm stopping and pausing on this because people need to understand that slavery impacts 21st century slavery, impacts all people of all races, not just black people. Cause you know, some people don't care. If it's just black or brown people, we need to know in America, that it's impacting people around the world and in our
1: nation. You know, uh, currently we're fighting within this climate of COVID and we're fighting on so many fronts but If we look at economics alone. Um, frontline workers are still putting themselves at risk and frontline workers are typically people of color um, and people who are in lower um, levels of the economic class. Yeah. Um, they're at the grocery stores. They are working in package delivery. I'm um, just kind of the gig economy, period. Mm-hmm. And I think that at least in the state of Illinois, that uh, the state lagged down early March, end of February. And many, many, many people still have not received a single benefit from the government. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Small businesses, I mean, actual small businesses with uh, employees under 500 didn't even get the government funding that was assigned to them with the EIDL, Economic uh, disaster, Disaster Loan, and then also the PPP, the Payroll Protection Plan or program. And you look at the list and the vast majority of that bailout or that support money went to very large corporations. Yes.
0: Yes. But then did those not many of those corporations, some of them are filtering it down to uh, the people who work for them. But most of them are not. Most oh, they, of them are not. not. Right. Including they bought back shares. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Thank you. Including. And I use this all the time. I'm a prime member. Amazon, mm-hmm. got a whole bunch of money, not filtering it down to their people.
1: I mean, I saw a um, a report the other day that said, due to COVID and people's dependency on delivery now, that Amazon is doing better than ever financially. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, other mm-hmm. delivery-based organizations like uh, a receipt of Grubhub was broken down from a restaurant owner, a small business and yeah. a restaurant industry, which is already a very competitive and tough place to be as a business owner, who is employing people in the local community, by the way, yes, Grubhub was taking such a substantial percentage just from processing orders and deliveries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that out of uh, over $1,000 in revenue generated in that statement period, the restaurant owner maybe got $300.
0: Yes. So I read that too, but is Grubhub not the driver? So we need to get that clear. It The money is not going to the person who's exactly. doing labor. Right. It, it's going to the company. The and company grew up. Mm-hmm. This is the insidiousness of the system and institutionalization of slavery. The system never loses. It's the people in the system. That's how it was always set up. They insulate themselves with law and with habit, and with practice, and the rest of us, we can be replaced, just like uh, during uh, legalized slavery, I'll say that, during legalized slavery, when black people were enslaved, they could do anything they wanted to do, and they made laws to say they could, and the only thing they were concerned about is when is the next crop, when is the next litter That the buck and the woman are going to produce, let's do that. And they would sell the babies out, just like people who sell puppy mills. It was people mills. It was the same thing. The last one I want to talk about is the privatization of the penal system and prison labor. That free labor thing. That's another whole multi-million, excuse me, billion-dollar business in the United States. The prison labor labor industry makes over a million dollars per year selling products that inmates make, while inmates are paid very little or nothing in return. We have a stat in California, 2500 incarcerated workers are fighting wildfires for only one dollar an hour, which saves the state as much as a hundred million dollars a year. Tell me slavery isn't about economics.
1: I feel like that's dead. that's really important, right? like because I've always thought like, okay. The reason that things exist like this for me as a person of color is that they just hate me. No, um, right?
0: <laughs> like, no. And here we go with colorism. It is a matter of I can identify people who are black. I know you belong over there in the field. Um, if you've been mixed a little bit more with the masses in the house. And you got that creamy skin, or somewhere, I'm not so sure. So I treat you differently. Besides, you're closer to my tribe. You're closer to my tribe. You're 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 not really worthy of my children, my straight up children with my wife. <laughs> but you're better than those darkies out in the field. And this is how you had this dog eat dog crabs in a barrel with the dark ones fighting against or resentful. Of the light ones and and there is no race that doesn't have disrespect for the darker ones in it um and and let me say not if you're just intentionally going out getting a tan that you're paying thousands of dollars for. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your DNA is that you are darker because the assumption is rightly so that you have more drops of i'm doing quote air quotes more drops of black blood in you so you're not as good (laughs) as the others even though the truth is in economics lord have mercy i i I say they they don't hate us they want to be us they steal our the way we dress the way we walk the way we talk the way we sing The way we wear our hair, remember Bo Bridges, which I didn't have any problem with this. I just smiled and thought, oh, my goodness, this woman is having her hair in cornrows where somebody else got fired who was black for doing that. But they say it's beautiful. They take everything from us. Little Richard was one of the first bebop people and people stole his music and made bunches of money with it, not giving him any credit. So the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we sing, the way we act, the way we live and breathe. What is it? It is not hatred. It is not hatred. It's admiration, but it's also fear of where I am in this economic stratus. You've got to be beneath me. And that unconsciousness goes on. And it's not just people of color. It is the hierarchy and classism within the white race. And culture in America that is still going on. Look at what's happening to the coal workers. Look at at what's happening to the farmers. Small farmers I'm talking about. Poor white people are treated abysmally. They are victims of this slavery. (sighs) But it's not presented to them in quite the same way. They still think they're better than us. Hot mess. So how is this showing up today? And I want to talk about This whole impact of what is our normal now and all of the people that are just being openly hunted down with these AK whatever 47s, 59s, 22s, whatever they are. These assault weapons that people said I have to have them uh, to hunt. Yeah, they were talking about hunting us and that's exactly what they are doing now. That's exactly what they are doing they're no longer wearing those hoods. They are emboldened because that is the temper. That is the culture that has been bred, started being bred openly with the hatred and jealousy of Barack Obama as president. That's where it started. They got more bold. They were always doing this stuff. But how dare you, as I said in the previous podcast, how dare you be educated. How dare you be capable? How dare you be proven? How dare you be accomplished? And your wife is too. They went back to the dehumanization with those pictures of him and her because it doesn't bode well. It doesn't, I can't get my mind around some nigga being as good as or better than me. And that's that's what it is. It's all about. It's not even so much as how much they hate him. It's how much they feel they are losing because of him or any of us that are accomplished. Not even realizing that the people in a higher economic status who are white are looking at them saying the same thing. So this COVID thing, I mean, yeah, the numbers of people dying in the black and brown communities is larger proportionately than it is to white people. But white people are dying. They're not even looking at, this is part of the system of slavery that protects their own. I haven't heard very many rich people dying. I haven't heard of any rich people not being able to get a test. It's only middle America. And by that, I mean middle income and lower income people. And oh, by the way, The only reason they care is
1: because it is happening to them. They wouldn't care if it was just black and brown people. So if I understand what you're correct, what you're saying here is that no matter what form slavery presents itself in, that it's real motivation is all about economics. It's all about economics and
0: and power, I would say, riches and power. That's what it's about. And I want more money and power over somebody. The more money I can get and the more people I can have power over, the happier I am. That's at that top echelon of people who I call the the puppet masters who are arranging Mm. this and keep the system alive because it gives them the riches and power that they want.
1: You know, sometimes I think about just kind of as a person of color and a woman moving through this world, um, how hard it is for me to believe that so many of us are blinded by lack, a lack of money and power, that we're willing to literally obliterate an entire group of people for it. Like, mm-hmm. Like I mean I've you know I grew up pretty, pretty poor, I'm an American though, so that comes with privileges as a poor person um and I can't imagine the level of suffering and poverty that white Americans experience with the lack of money and power alone is enough to fuel the kind of reaction that we see from it, yeah. Like, like, that's, that's the part that I can't reconcile. Like, economics and power alone, I just can't imagine that being the the case. Because, I mean, if you notice, black people haven't flipped over the earth yet. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't even called for anarchy yet with all of the suffering, all of the lack of power, and all of the lack of economic, you know, progression even. Do you think that white people seem to be willing to do more? And that's just me asking a straight-up question here. Like, I don't understand the difference in our reaction to the same conditions. Yeah. So
0: let me be clear: we're not talking about all white people. We're not. Yeah. Talking, it's it's really yeah. not even the majority of white people. I don't believe. Um, I do believe, as Martin Luther King said, though sometimes people all you have to do to be sure that you're going to have anarchy is do nothing. So you don't have to be uh, an active contributor. It's just that. And that's just not white people. That's people. People not wanting to get involved. I'm trying to be uh, stay beneath the radar, all this other kind of stuff. So we we have that. So there there are some white people who have always, even in slavery, fought with and for the slaves. And and so it continues. Those are the people that we have to say, thank you, because if it had not been for those people, the Civil Rights Act would not have been passed. It wasn't Martin Luther King who was up there passing that law. It was those senators who were white and men, not women, who were, they're they're the one, it's either either they're so wonderful or so horrible. But <laughs> <that laughs> those are the ones who have the most power and then you have that bell-shaped curve with the majority of people in the middle. But the the outliers that are way way rich and powerful that are doing wonderful things and then way way rich and powerful who are doing hurtful things. So why are they doing it? And it goes back to the basics of humanness. This is Maslow's theory of hierarchical need, survival for myself, my children, my tribe. That's it. That's it. And some people are like the, the barest, the minimum amount of comfort and safety and security do I need uh, for my children, myself and my tribe. So, you know, living in a tent is cool with me. Living in a hovel is I, I can find my happiness there um some people are going to be happy no matter what situation they're in if it's a jewish concentration camp i'm going to be happy people some people are, if it's shackled on a boat some people are going to be happy some people if they have millions and billions are still not happy and that is the that is the real disease that yeah. is the real disease the the disease of, I believe there is not enough and I got to make sure I get mine. So I'm going to do, I'm going to take it from everybody else
1: so I can get mine. That's now, the real thing. I hear you go. I think like a couple of things that you said there struck me. And I just want to kind of affirm that white allies have been very, very important to our cause and even me and and my own experiences as a young woman coming up, a young woman of color and somebody who's experienced, you know, social economic challenges have been aided by many white brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I do want to recognize that, you know, having that allyship is critical and has been instrumental in our progress as a people in this country and also across the globe. There are just some people who are wired to utilize their um, privilege in their position to help yeah. others, and some people aren't, and even the even those who have the least among us, especially being in a country like America, have some form of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, some have more than others. Um, with that being said, I think that sometimes, as a young black woman, the way that I experience my life here in this country, in a way that I watch my brothers and sisters experience, what this draw toward self-preservation. What this need of just a lack of abundance, a lack of abundant thinking, has driven them to is something that I just don't feel like I can relate to. But one of the things I will also point out is that I wish I could quote where I got it from, but I know that I heard a TED Talk where a person talked about an imbalance of energy or the balances of energy, that for every one negative interaction that a person has, they need 20 positives just to make even. Right. And so if you live in a city like Chicago, where even though it's a diverse city, it is deeply segregated. We all live in our different race areas, our boroughs. We literally have communities named after whatever your cultural and ethnic backgrounds are and happy to live there. Um, that your interactions with others, um, Aren't so great, like you don't have a lot of them. And so, when you do run across an interaction, like at least for me, with people who are not people of color, and that experience is negative, I need 20 positive ones just to begin to believe that this hatred isn't the majority. Yeah, and so if
0: you're watching CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. (laughs) you're going to be inundated, barraged with negativity. And this is why we have to be careful of what we allow ourselves to take in. Uh, We have to be careful about the self-talk that we have because it's easy to get in when you are in preservation survival mode. And that's what it is. When you're in survival mode, I mean, think about the things I'm thinking about mothers who have picked up cars that have been on their children, you know, a couple of tons, not even thinking about it, just doing what needed to be done. Uh, I went over to a friend's house when I was a teenager. He lived on the second floor and there was a stairwell that went from the first floor to the second floor. I was getting ready to leave his house. He was tall. I, I was getting ready to leave his house and his dog Got out of the bedroom where he had put the dog. I heard that big dog growling and coming at me. Did I jump down all those stairs? Didn't break anything. I mean, I hit the landing, jumped down these stairs, baby, and was out that front door and on the <laughs> sidewalk. I think in a half a nanosecond, because this is just how strong. Your survival instinct is and what it will propel you to do. That shows up physically, but it shows up emotionally, it shows up mentally. And as long as we continue to have this gulf, this divide, this gap, this chasm between economics, then all the other things add into play. People who are marginalized include the poor. It's just a different level of now you're poor and you're white. You got a little bit more privilege than poor and brown and black. I mean, that's just the way it is. So we have to look at all of that. How are we contributing? Who are the people we're voting for that are keeping this mess going? I mean, we have got to stop being responsible. We've got to stop being. There was a time when people of color could and women could not vote, in, and it hadn't been that long ago, that women and people of color were allowed. People are still trying to keep us from voting, doing everything they can to make up reasons. Well, you don't have a driver's license. Really? I'm voting. What's they got to do with anything? So all of those things, well, you can't send it in by mail. Excuse me, you did. what? So all of these things, going so far as to say, well, we need to kill the post office. So people can't vote. Oh, my God. We need to look at the privilege that we do have in the midst of these people that are motivated only by riches and power and keeping it for themselves, fighting against everybody else. And we need to be united. We need to be united as people across races, across genders, because
1: all of us are in slavery to the puppet masters. So, Glo, um, I know that we're coming toward the end of this episode. And I think that this is so deep. I'm going to be processing it for a while. Yeah. What are some ways that people can sort of begin to work through this? Because it sounds like it starts with self. It does. It does. Of course it
0: does. Um, I will tell you that... With some of these latest killings and murders of people of color, I'm a black woman. I have three black children. I am concerned about every person on the planet, every child on the planet. And I have more attention given to black children because that's my tribe. I'm also a person of deep spiritual intimacy with the universe, with source, with God, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not particularly religious, but that's my relationship. These last couple of weeks, when three people have been murdered and people lied about it and covered it up for months, all of that stuff, I want you to know the things that came to my mind are not messages of love from God. (laughs) I'm like you know what? Come on, it's it's not justice. It was vigilantism that that I was feeling that I was thinking because I allowed myself to get in the same level of depravity and fear as these people who wear hoods that are white. I did. What stopped me was realizing I was spewing that ugliness, that filth, that hatred within my own mind and realizing I was violating myself. And so what do I need to do that brings honor in the midst of this dishonoring situation? What can I do so they can't take me away from me? They may be able to take my life, but they cannot strip me of me. So where is your power? Where is your privilege and how do you choose to use it? That's one thing. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are yelling the same things that the neo-Nazis are yelling, but they're having a different victim? Because that's not the answer. We will never get to health while being embracing sickness. And so who are we surrounding ourselves with? What are we allowing to come into our consciousness At six o'clock every evening, I don't let any more news, be it from Facebook, because I do not watch. Have you have you guys that I don't watch Fox? Excuse me. Is there a word of truth coming out of anybody's mouth on that? (laughs) Are you are you getting how much they make me want to throw up in the back of my mouth? Okay. so I I don't allow anybody from any, though, station. I, I just I turn it off because that's enough. I've reached saturation. And then by looking at my gratitude, you know what? And I, I use the word love, universe, source, God. I use all those things interchangeably. Sometimes I will just cry out, you know what, God, is this going to change in my lifetime? And I really don't think it will. I really don't. So given that belief, what are you doing, Gloria, to make be your fear or your belief system not to manifest. What can you do if it did? What would that look like? What would people experience? How would they be interacting? And what is your opportunity with each interaction to connect with that person and show them love? That's hard, but that's what we do. And all these all these other podcasts that we have done are talking about that same thing, reinforcing it over and over and over again. Even though I wasn't expecting all that, but those are the things that have come about.
1: You know, well, uh, in recent news, there's just been so much strife. Yeah. So many lives lost for uh, many things, and it seems to be a disparity for people of color and people of the class. And so I was just wondering, you know, if you would mind if we honor some people um, in recent past and what also feels like maybe yesterday Um, and just kind of speak the names of people who've been affected specifically um, by the disparity that exists between community policing and the communities that they're supposed to serve. Yeah, and so... Here's what we're getting ready to do. Thank you for that
0: wonderful lead in. I have asked our wonderful team if each of us would say the name of one person. And we we have a list of people who have been killed, who have been murdered in the United States. And We're just going to honor them in many cultures by saying the person's name aloud. You honor that person. All of these people were killed in a very a not honorable situation, disrespectful situation. So we're going to honor them by saying their names. You'll hear a symbol, a chime, and then we'll go on to the next. Just take a moment, and if you will, asking you just to just be silent as you listen. Feel whatever it is you're feeling Whatever it is you're thinking while we say the names of these 28 people. And I hope I can get through this without crying. Michael Brown
1: Jr. Freddie Gray. Walter Scott.
0: Eric Harris.
1: Philip White. Tony Robinson. James Reed. Romain Brisbane. Tamir Rice. Benicia Anderson. Dante Parker. Iselle Ford John Crawford the Eric Garner Dontre Hamilton Brendan Glenn Samuel Du Bois Gregory Gunn. Akeel Denkins. Natasha McKenna. Christian Taylor. Yvette Smith. Batam John. Rikia Boyd. Sandra Bland, Brianna Taylor, Philando Castle,
0: and Ahmad Aubrey. Thank you, Brendis and Chris, for joining me and honoring these people, saying their names. Thank you all for listening. It is my fervent hope and prayer that you reach within and love yourself, those people of all ages, your friends, your family, and your loved ones. Let them know that you love them, the difference they have made in your life. Because the truth is we never know when the last goodbye is going to be the last goodbye. So say hello and love each other with everything that's in you. And that is how we heal the world, one person at a time. Thank you so much. There's a hug in your future if you want one.